Welcome back to another edition of It's Raining Mets. Meteorologist Ed Russo here. Hello, it's meteorologist Tom Russell here, and Ed and I still working from home, so always great for us to catch up and, and to have you listening as well. So I'm excited about today's episode. Yeah, this is, um, you know, when Tom and I, we usually we talk over the phone sometimes, and this is one of our weekly calls. We just make it public. <laughs> That's pretty much it. So uh, be on your best behavior, Ed. Yeah, I will be. <laughs> Yeah, I have to watch out for uh, you. There is something I want to talk to you about. So uh, okay. once we're done the podcast, I'll call you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good tease. <laughs> Maybe we should make that. That'll be a subscription uh, that you can yeah. tune into. <laughs> uh, we'll get back to you on price for that one. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> All right, let's talk about uh, you know severe weather moving through the south uh, just passed and and uh, brought us some rain. But uh, a good reminder that severe season is uh, not too far away. So what happens this time of year is the the deep south sees it first in those March and sometimes even February, but March and April months. And then for us, uh, if you kind of think of it migrating northward, our severe season is more May and June, and honestly even early July, right? So there is kind of a, you know, you know, typically when we talk of, you know, Tornado Alley and whatnot, we're, we're thinking, you know, Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, right. Missouri. But this time of the year, I mean, there is like a secondary Tornado Alley in the United States. And do you know what they call that? Dixie Alley. Dixie Alley, right. And uh, we're talking, you know, Mississippi and Alabama especially. Seem to be yes. The heart of it. You know, they get, as Tom said, real. Real bad outbreaks, you know, February, March, and April seems seem to be their month. It sure does. And, you know, what we saw uh, this past uh, Wednesday and Thursday was the fact that uh, they went five out of five on the on the severe scale, meaning it was the, the highest that we put out. So it really got people's attention. And, uh, you know, we're still kind of surfing through some of the, the, the damage. And, and uh, fortunately, it seems like a lot of it was rural. And uh, one of our meteorologists at our sister station down there, James Spann, said that, you know, just because it doesn't hit a major city doesn't mean it's not devastating. And you see these pictures of people's homes wiped out, businesses wiped out. Um, you know, a lot of that western Alabama area, of course, is is very rural, but it's just as devastating as one that would hit, you know, what was it back to 2011 when it hit uh, Tuscaloosa and the University of Alabama. And um, so we really need to be aware of that. And I think that's a good lesson for us here in central PA. You know, you get into Perry County and Juniata counties, you know, eh, it's just a little tornado. But if it wipes somebody out, it's devastating. Yeah, all it takes is one person to be negatively impacted, like life altering. Yes. Uh, impact and yeah, that devastating impact. You know, it doesn't mean to, oh there needs to be fifty people in, impacted for it to be devastating, or there needs to be multi millions of dollars in damage for it to be devastating. It just needs to happen to one person and one property. And and one of the things that came out of last year is we really didn't have a lot of severe weather, um, particularly here in Central PA. I think you and I said we only had. Did it end up being three tornado warnings all year? Yeah. I think that's what it was. April before it. <laughs> yeah, we had a record, right? And mainly that was in a week. Before I came, yeah, it was uh, very right. active. Um, um, so do you think this is a harbinger of a more active season, Ed, now that we've seen this this big push here uh, through the south? Do you I mean, think yes, that's it all? certainly could be because we have a, you know, we, we, we've, oh, you know, recently we, you know, before the rain that we're seeing as of, this podcast recording, which is on a Thursday, um, 
the pattern has hasn't been too active. It w certainly was in February, but yeah, right. we're seeing a pretty active storm track right now. And you know, once we get into the warmer months, we'll be into the kind of the right pocket of the storm where we could see some some strong storms develop. And typically, our season is April and May, or I right. yeah, it, you know, in, into June. But you know, it's it's interesting. You know, one of the one of the uh, tornadoes that I saw yesterday in Alabama was basically right near Tuscaloosa. It looked like a pretty strong one, too. I don't know the rating on it, but uh, 10 years ago this April will be the yep. the anniversary of the Tuscaloosa tornado, which to me, I think probably within the last 20 years is probably one of the most photographed and documented. Well, it, it came right through the University of Alabama, so... so Everybody had a camera, so yeah, well documented, but more importantly, what came out of that is the mitigation. So now places like universities don't fool around. They just, they keep their, their students in, uh, in safe places. They create safe areas. I don't know if you saw some of the video was coming out. There was a bunch of students that had taken shelter in a uh, parking garage, uh, which was deemed a storm shelter now. Um, so it's really some good lessons that came out of that 2011 uh, devastation. But when you go back and you look at some of those pictures and, you know, brick buildings and, and massive buildings that you think, you know, could withstand stuff uh, were just devastated. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was a, that was a bad day. That was a very, very bad season there. And I think that was, I think, did that last two days? Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of those, you know, as we saw with this past storm, uh, you know, they start maybe in Louisiana or Mississippi. And then, you know, they take, like you said, 18, 24, 36 hours to traverse the south. So they're coming through Mississippi, they're coming through Alabama and then Georgia. So they really have a chance to do some widespread uh, destruction. Um, all right. So back to your point, I, I do think we're going to have an, a fairly active season as well. So it's a good time for folks to kind of think about how we prepare for that. So that means things, you know, simple things. But, uh, you know, does your does everybody in your family know what to do if all of a sudden there's a, a tornado warning? It's an active day. Does everybody know where to go down the basement or an interior room, whatever that might be? Uh, we always remind kids, you know, grab a bike helmet, a football helmet or, you know, anything you might have around the house just to protect yourself. Um, and uh, you know, it's they seem kind of uh, mundane or silly things, but boy, when 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 you only have seconds to get to safety, they're really really important. Right, and you know, you have to think about special circumstances too. So, you know, in a two-story yeah. home, if everybody's healthy and can move around as easily mobile, you should all be able to get from your top floor to the basement within 20 seconds. Right. You know, if you know, if you live, um, if you live in a home with somebody who has a physical disability, your severe weather plan is going to be different, you know, because yep. all you hear is, oh, just go to the basement. And people or people with, you know, with a disability or, or family members that live with somebody with a disability automatically think that they can go right to the basement because that's what they hear. You know, there has to be an extra step like, okay, maybe during a tornado watch, the person who maybe can't walk around as well or is in a wheelchair maybe you need to be like in the basement already in the basement yeah. already during the watch right. as the line is approaching you know and, and and pets too you know right crate them. don't wait to crate yeah. you know crate them before uh be, you know during the watch you know they're not going to like it but it's you know they all kind of know what to do dogs tend to go to the uh the, a safe place, bathroom, yeah. bathtub. yeah 
Just That's true. They do. Yeah, they do. The cattle go under the bed, just sometimes on the third floor, not the basement. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. No, I had a my first dachshund that I had had that innate ability, and they she could almost predict the storms before they came, and she was a you know a little wiener dog, so she would try desperately to get into the uh, the the bathtub, like you said, mm-hmm. and I'd be like is there a storm coming? <laughs> and I'm the meteorologist. Um, but she would, uh, you know, she wasn't exactly uh, stealth, but she could figure out how to get in that tub and, and stay there. Uh, she hated storms. I remember that so well. Yeah, it's almost like it has to be some sort of, uh, you know, I, I think they can hear the thunder, you know, before we do. Much more, yeah, much before yeah, the we vibrations do. And maybe just the pressure drop too, but I really think it's the hearing. Yeah, there. yeah, the, the vibrations, like you said, they notice that. Yeah, and possibly, possibly even a smell, too. Ooh, yeah, I have read some things I've about that. that. There's a smell aspect to it. It's amazing, like, when you compare how well a dog can hear compared to our hearing ability, it, it, it's almost, it's ridiculous. We're yeah. way worse at hearing than, than dogs. Well, we welcome spring this weekend, so as you're listening to this podcast, we're now into springtime, so it's a good time to to think about your severe weather plan and just review things, or uh, like you said, maybe you have a, a change in your lifestyle where somebody who can't get to uh, shelter needs a little refresher, and the kids always need a refresher, so don't be... Uh, don't be shy about doing that. And, of course, that's why we're here, the CBS 21 weather team, to keep you uh, ahead of those storms. Uh, let's transition now to did you hear about the names being retired as far as tropical storms? Yeah, we've had quite a few retire. Go yeah, so, yep, got it right here. Uh, just came out this week from the World Meteorological Organization. And uh, the WMO, as we call it, uh, people always say, well, you know, who comes up with the names? Well, it is the World Meteorological Organization. They come up with an alphabetical list and they try to get names from different uh, countries, different ethnic backgrounds. And that's why it's always a, a very inclusive list when you see it. Uh, but every so often when a storm has a tremendous impact, whether it's loss of life or property, some storm names get retired. So they're easier for us to refer to and study. So now the WMO has retired. Retired from 2019, say hello to Dorian. Dorian is retired. And then uh, from 2020, Laura was retired. That was the one that brought all that flooding through uh, Louisiana and all that. Um, and then they'll get replaced. So the the, the names uh, are on a rotating six-year list. They'll get replaced with Dexter and Leah. So a D and an L name. Now, the other big news from this was uh, we've also retired two from the Greek alphabet. If you remember, we had so many storms that we went into the Greek alphabet. Ada and Iota also retired from the 2020 list. Yeah, but even I, I pause you right ahead, jump in. I, Delta. Yep. I, I remember Delta being pretty significant too, but that wasn't. That also hit Louisiana. Well, I think that was because of the previous impacts that that was even you oh, know. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, because it made landfall. Because they were already yeah they were already devastated from. Uh, from Laura. So, all right. So the bigger news was they're not going to use the Greek alphabet anymore. Now, let me put this in perspective. It's been pretty rare. In 2005, we had enough storms where you go all the way through uh, the alphabet. And then uh, what the World Meteorological Organization does is they were going to a Greek alphabet. Uh, alpha, beta, etc. Um, but they decided not to use that. And the reason is there was just too much confusion with other names from around the country. There was confusion with similar sounding Greek alphabet letters and translations in other languages. So now what they've come up with is another 
ABC list of what they call supplemental names. So in other words, when you get to the end of the first list, you'll actually go back to another A name. So this supplemental list will not be in the normal hurricane season rotation. Correct. So these are supplemental names. For example, this year, this one starts with Adria and then Braylon. Now, to me, Ed, I'm just going to throw it out there. I understand what they're trying to do, but it seems to me it's a little more confusing because then you're going to have two A names in a season, two well, I'll B. Tell you this much. I usually can remember, a, you know, the start of a hurricane season by remembering when the first A storm was. Like, oh, really? Yeah, so, you know. Because usually that's like a throwaway storm, don't you think? Well, not necessarily, because in 92, um, in 1992, Andrew. it was a quiet season until Hurricane Andrew. And all Andrew, yeah, that's a good point. That's so a good point. That's I always remember, oh, yeah, 92 got off to a late start because yeah. Hurricane Andrew, you know, which devastated South Florida, um, happened in, in mid to late August, I think. That's, sometime, yeah. Sometime in August. And, um now it's like well the the a storm could mean it oh you've already gone through the alphabet already right it'd be an october storm or something like that so that's why i think it's a little bit confusing um to me it's it's pretty rare that you use up all the names okay so we've had what that's happened twice in 15 years right. so to me like just a number would do it you know what i mean uh you know, after you run through the alphabet, which they don't even use all the letters of the alphabet, so it'd be like, you know, Hurricane 24, Hurricane 25. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought that would be a little more. Or, you know, I thought, you know, I understand what, you know, the, the concern about continuing to use the Greek alphabet, but um, the original plan was to have it be IOTA 2020, and then IOTA 2020. Oh, just mark it with the year. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That, that's what I, that's, you know, originally when I had been reading how that would pan out. Gotcha. Or just gotcha. drop the, or they they were also considering just dropping the, the Greek, names entirely and just skipping the letter, assuming we don't get there, every year. Yeah, well, it goes back to an underlying problem that I've shared before is I think they're naming too many things. These things that are way out in the middle of the North Atlantic, they're technically post-tropical. They're not even tropical. Uh, they don't affect anybody. You know. You know, give them a, a separate designation of. Well, you know, I. You know, the, so the original designation for these storms, they had to be a truly tropical system. And they don't anymore. Right. So now we, we're we getting subtropical systems that have kind right. of like a, um, they, they're not a completely a warm core system. They have like right. maybe a little bit of a front. Hurricanes don't have fronts. A Correct. A subtropical system has, can, have, can have something that resembles a front. Because uh, it's not purely tropical, it has some you know cooler air mixed in with right. uh, latitudes further north. So, you know, it seems like we've named subtropical systems more in the past twenty years, and we didn't used to do that. Yeah, so that's definitely changed the. Right. So you have to you have to take that into consideration when comparing active seasons, because you know yep. certain seasons may appear very active, but remember it, the threshold to name a storm there might be less criteria for it to be able to achieve that. All right, sidebar to that thought is the other thing that came out of this recent chat is that perhaps we need to move up hurricane season. So traditionally, hurricane season has been June 1 as a starting point to November 30. So now the talk is maybe it needs to be May 15th. But I think these are all the same conversation. If you're going to name this little 
system that really is barely tropical or you know uh, dissipates in in 18 hours do you really need to move up hurricane season or you just need to adjust the way you're naming things you know what i mean right it's kind of like you know it's kind of like we have 80 degree days sometimes before spring you know and right good point mid march we're not just gonna we're not just gonna I mean, declare summer. March. We're not just going to move meteorological spring to February right. because we get some warm days in February. So, right. I, I think the yeah. reflection here is, you know, hurricane season in preparation is for, you know, basically we want to tell people that this is when you need to be prepared, and that's roughly the time when you need to be prepared: June first through yep. the thirtieth. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, occasionally, like you said, you're going to need that adjustment. But, uh, you know, I, I think there's just in my career, there's a whole new level of awareness. There's a whole new level of preparation. Uh, I think we've really done a good job as the weather enterprise that, you know, people aren't caught off guard by these things, you know, as they were 20, 30 years ago. So um, I'm not sure that we need to go overboard, I guess is what I'm saying. Right. And we do have people that are just moving into areas that are more susceptible to these storms. You know, yeah. So, well, that's just it. Yeah. You have more people in harm's way. That's a good point. Right. So we're, you know, I, I think on some level there's the idea that, you know, things are worse, but also you have to consider that more people are impacted. There's more infrastructure built in, in harm's way, right? Uh, are in the path of these destructive storms. All right. It's now time for my favorite part of the podcast where I put Ed on the spot. Oh, Ed. Mid-March, the Ides of March has passed any more snow for central PA. And you can't count the little thing that's coming while we record this. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I know we've you know, we've, we've gotten we've gotten events in April before. I mean, Pretty rare, though. Pretty I'm, rare. I'm not seeing anything stick out to me. I mean, after this little blip that we're ah. seeing on Friday... I yep. don't I, I don't see anything that looks like anything close to uh, a possible uh, event. You know, it looks it looks fairly warm. It does. Now, I've been saying uh, throughout the first part of March that the, the second half of March is going to be rough. Um, so I may be proved wrong in that. Uh, and maybe this little thing that comes through as we, as we record this podcast will be the last little bit of snow. I mean, that but. That might have been it, but I was anticipating a little bit more. So I'll, I'll put myself out there, but I kind of agree with you that uh, we're kind of over that hump now. Um, doesn't mean that it's going to be warm all the time, but I think we're going to be too warm for snow. All right. Uh, the other thing that really helped out uh, as far as central PA was uh, with the drought. So we had all that snow melt and we had a, a couple of decent rain events. So this has really helped, but we've seen in recent weeks uh, that fire, the you know the fire danger when that humidity gets real low, and we haven't had rain for you know a week or so, um, that high fire danger has really been there. Yeah, that's right. I want to. Yeah, that's. I'm glad you brought this up because that was very interesting. I mean, the pictures that we were was scary. Saturday and Sunday night. I mean, where you could see the the top of the hill, just all the trees engulfed. Yeah, so we're talking about the one that was near uh, Dillsburg, uh, and really the, the big culprit was, of course, the wind. The wind was just not relentless, 
Um, but you also had, we had been dry for a while. And so I guess a, the point I want to make is, a, you know, March and April are still very windy. Uh, they can be dry at times. So please be careful as you're, you're burning that brush and the leaves and stuff that you're, you know, you do that spring cleaning outdoors and uh, people need to be real careful with, uh, with fire. But all this rain uh, should be helpful. Yeah, I had to actually run an errand Saturday morning or Saturday or Sunday morning. I went to Park City and uh, on my way back on 283 there was a brush fire I guarantee you most common reason for side road brush fires is people throwing cigarettes out windows oh and it's so preventable yeah it's so incredibly preventable and <laughs> you know we, the the red flag warning had been blared across all platforms right um, right you know, and relative humidity that day was 15 percent. Yeah, it was unbelievably low. So dry. Yeah, so that that typically, especially, you know, it's not like we're in a arid climate here. Right. So we can get dry spells, sure, but we're close to the Atlantic. Uh, a weather pattern is such where we, you know, we live in, in somewhat of a moist climate, you know. Um, so on days when your relative humidity is below 30%, it's dry. And when it's below 20%, it's exceptionally dry. So... Yeah, it just boggles my mind that, I mean, you shouldn't do it anyway, you know? But especially on those days, you got to be cognizant of that. do it on those days. Now, I don't know that's what happened, but uh, most side road brush fires, that's yeah. what happens. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's what I saw on 283. And then, of course, you know, that following night we had those brush fires, which was just, right. you know, completely illuminated the night sky. It looked like that something we saw out west. Yeah, we don't see that very often. Uh, so hopefully we're good with our drought heading into uh, heading into springtime. So uh, anything else on your mind, Mr. Ed? Oh, there's always stuff on my mind. But I need to <laughs> save it for the next episode. There you go. Or the subscription podcast yeah. that we're going to say. Or the subscription podcast, that's right. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Always great to catch up with you, man. Yeah, you too, Tom. You're listening to It's Raining Mets.